And welcome to the Locked On Islanders Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, welcome everybody to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. Hope everybody is staying safe and doing well as we head toward midweek here as uh, news continues to be encouraging from the NHL and the NHLPA about plans to resume the season. We'll talk more about that. We'll have the results of an interesting survey conducted in The Athletic, uh, asking Islander fans all kinds of questions. We'll break some of that down. We'll take a look back at a very intense overtime playoff game on this date in Islanders history, and we will continue our series on what-ifs by asking, what if Pierre Turgeon was not injured in the 1993 Stanley Cup playoffs? Today's show sponsored by Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order. Don't forget, if you've got something on your mind, a question, a comment, a topic you'd like us to discuss, or, for example, if you have a what-if in Islanders history that you'd like us to analyze for you, uh, send us an email at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You can also contact us and follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles. And you can follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars NYR VS NYI. We'll keep you up to date on the latest news and notes from the New York Islanders. All right, so some interesting stuff going on. Uh, the Athletic did a survey, more than 2,200 Islander fans answering uh, this survey, and Arthur Staple, the fine writer at The Athletic, uh, basically discussing, you know, analyzing all of these questions, and, you know, one of the questions, the first one, when did you become an Islander fan? And this is interesting, because, you know, 25% said during the Dynasty era, the 1980s, almost 25% indicated, you know, the original 1970s decade. And then the majority of the respondents, almost 43%, said that in the 90s and 2000s, which are described as the dark ages of Islanders history. So interesting that uh, that is when you know, so many, the majority of fans uh, became Islanders fans because the team really wasn't winning a lot during that time. Again, Islanders going between 1993 and 2016 
23 years without winning a playoff series. Uh, so, you know, that is uh, essentially a, a big difference. The other thing that I noticed uh, that didn't surprise me very much, fans very happy with the Islanders' present ownership. And I would have to say, you know, 90% plus of fans on a scale of 1 to 10 ranked the present ownership group at 7 or higher with a full six, almost two-thirds, let's say, uh, rating them either a 9 or a 10. Now, Scott Malkin, the primary owner, John Ledecky, the co-owner, uh, they get points for hiring the GM, Lou Lamorello, and for Barry Trotz. They're also, you know, getting the arena at Belmont underway. And I think also there's a certain, A, accessibility that these owners have with the fans, which is certainly appreciated. They're also bringing back and improving the relationship with the you know, dynasty era players and the alumni in general, and that is also a uh, an encouraging thing. Lou Lamorello also getting good marks, the majority of his rankings on a scale of 1 to 10, 7s and 8s with a, a decent number of 9s and 10s as well, but 7s uh, and 8s were about 52-53% of his rankings, and Barry Trotz did exceptionally well with, uh, realistically, about 90% of his grades from the fans coming in at either a 9 or a 10. And I'll give fans credit for this. One of the questions on there was, uh, how do you view Garth Snow's tenure as GM? And 78% almost said that it was a mixed bag, and only 15% said total disaster. And I, I have to say that that seems to me to be a very fair assessment when you look at the overall uh, view of the dozen years that Garth Snow was running the team. I think fans realized, A, Garth didn't have a lot of money to spend, B, he was sincere and hardworking, and see, he did some very good things that improved the team, while other things he did, you know, at times left fans shaking their head. One other question I, I wanted to mention here, do you believe the Islanders can contend for a Stanley Cup in the next five years? 85% plus indicated, yes, they can. And I think that is a very, uh, a very impressive amount of confidence that the fans have for the New York Islanders. One more question that we'll touch on, and obviously, you know, you got to read the article to get all of the information, but as far as who is your favorite current Islander, 42% almost, going with Matthew Barzal, he is by far the most popular. Casey Sezikis coming in second with almost 24% of the vote followed by Anders Lee with 11.5%. So 
no doubt about it, Islander fans, you know, with Sezikis being second, they love their hardworking, blue, you know, blue-collar, tough, gritty kind of guys. And Matt Martin also got a few votes as well. So interesting to see the way that played itself out. But a, a very interesting piece. If you subscribe to The Athletic, definitely check that one out and, uh, you know, get the, an idea of where the Islander fans' mindset is at the present time. And if your mindset is involved with staying in shape and being healthy, try a Built Bar. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. There are 16 amazing flavors, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. Eight of them have nuts. Eight of them are nut-free, and Built Bar is great for the health-conscious person. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber, and boy, I tell you, I'm always skeptical about protein bars, but when I have a Built Bar before I do my exercise every day, uh, it does give me more strength, more endurance, and I just feel better out there. Take the flavor, peanut butter brownie, 20 grams of protein, only 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. Can't do too much better than that. Right now, we have a special offer for Locked On Islanders listeners. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your first order. That's promo code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. All right, a couple of quick notes to discuss about the NHL and its plans to resume play. As of right now, uh, the Return to Play Committee has been involved in a pretty constant dialogue, and Pierre Lebrun of TSN is reporting that it's about 7 to 10 days away from the announcement of a formal plan to resume play. No guarantees that that will be the deadline, but it, that's the way that things are headed right now. And we're looking more and more, as I mentioned yesterday, at a two-hub city concept with 12 teams in each hub. Uh, Deputy Commissioner Bill Daly also basically said that he was hopeful that yesterday's announcement by Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau that the border between the United States and Canada will remain closed for another 30 days to all non-essential travel will, quote-unquote, not materially affect the resumption of play timelines we are currently contemplating. So the league, optimistic, trying to get things back going and uh, trying to get into phase two of the resumption uh, sometime toward the end of this month. All right, time for this date in Islanders history. We are going to take you back to May the 20th, 1993, Nassau Coliseum, Game 3 of the Islanders series with the Montreal Canadiens Wales Conference Final. Winner goes on to the Stanley Cup Final. Canadiens won Game 1 in Montreal 4-1, had a big double overtime uh, win over the Islanders in Game 2, 4-3. to three. Islanders almost in a must-win situation as they try to fight back 
and get into the series once again. Goaltenders in this one, Patrick Waugh in between the pipes for the Canadiens. Glenn Healy continuing his run in the Islanders' goal. A scoreless first period. Each team had one power play opportunity. Uwe Krupp was called for holding at 1442. Islanders killed that off. Then John LeClaire of Montreal went off for hooking at 1802. And Montreal was able to kill that off. But early in the second period, Pierre Turgeon, his sixth of the playoffs from Brad Delgarno and David Volek at just 136. And the Islanders were up one to nothing. And the Coliseum crowd went absolutely crazy. The Islanders were just 20 minutes away from getting back into the series, as that was the score at the end of 40 minutes of play. But in the third period, Montreal turning it on, Islanders getting into a, a, a little bit of difficulty getting the puck out of their zone. Vincent Damfus, his ninth of the playoffs from Paul DiPietro and Benoit Brunet at 14:46. Tying the game at 1-1 with a little more than five minutes left in regulation time. The game goes to overtime, and at the 12.34 mark of the extra session, Guy Carboneau of Montreal ends it, his third of the playoffs from Benoit Brunet and future Islander Matthew Schneider. Final score in this one, the Canadiens 2 and the Islanders won 31 saves for the victory for Patrick Waugh. Glenn Healy made 21 saves uh, in a losing effort for the Islanders, but played a good game. Islanders had their chances, but could not cash them in. Uh, as far as plus-minus, Brad Delgarno, Vladimir Malakov, and Denis Vasky were each a plus-one while Pierre Turgeon, no surprise here, leading all Islanders players with six shots on goal. Vasky and Darius Kasparaitis, along with Derek King, each had three apiece. Here's the thing about this game. Al Arbor, very, very upset after the game was over because just before the... Uh, Islanders gave up that winning goal. Uh, a player, Brad Delgarno, going for the puck in the offensive zone, hooked by Benoit Brunet. The referee, Kerry Frazier, was there, did not make a call, and Al Arbor just absolutely angry about the situation. Here is what he said, risking a fine from the NHL after the game. I think it's very apparent the last couple of games that there are two sets of rules. There is a rule regarding the Montreal Canadiens, and there is a rule regarding everybody else. I mean, on that play, they have eight guys in the on the ice, including the goaltender. They play the puck right after that. There is a tripping penalty. Brunet tripped Dalgarno. Brunet gets the puck back. He makes the play, and Dalgarno is in their end. I mean, it was obvious to everyone. So... Al Arbor, the Hall of Fame coach of the New York Islanders, not happy about all of that. And essentially, the Islanders had a chance to take a 2-0 lead. They did not. They fall behind in the series 3-0 with Game 4 
upcoming at the Nassau Coliseum uh, in just two days after this one. So, this date in Islanders history, May 20th, 1993, Canadians 2, Islanders 1 in overtime. All right, so we continue our What If series right now, and the What If we're looking at today what if Pierre Turgeon had not been injured in the 1993 Stanley Cup playoffs? What difference would it have made for the Islanders? You have to remember in 1993, uh, the Islanders went on a beautiful playoff run. They upset the Washington Capitals in the first round of the playoffs. And in the deciding game, which was game six of that series, Pierre Turgeon, Islanders' best player, scores what proved to be the game-winning goal in that contest and is brutally attacked by Dale Hunter at least five or six seconds after scoring the goal in what had to be one of the dirtiest plays I have ever seen since I started watching hockey, and that goes back to the to the 70s when you had the Big Bad Bruins and the Broad Street Bullies and everything else. Hunter, there was no excuse for it. He did receive an extensive suspension, but the result of that was that Turgeon only played in one game of the Islanders' second-round playoff series against the Pittsburgh Penguins, did not score a point, in fact, did not take a shot on goal, then ended up you know, he probably came back a little bit too soon, missed game one of that Montreal series, and then, you know, played the other four games in that Montreal series, which the Islanders eventually lost in five games. I guess the question that has to be asked is, had Turgeon been healthy, could he have made a difference in the series against Montreal? First of all, in the four games that Turgeon did play in the Habs series, he had two goals and two assists. So, uh, and three assists, excuse me. So, five points essentially in four games. It wasn't like he wasn't a factor. In his first game back, which was game two of the series, which the Islanders did lose, Turgeon had 10 shots on goal. To lead the team. He had six shots on goal to lead the team in game three. And then in the game they won, game four, uh, he had an assist, also had an assist in that series finale. Uh, obviously, you know, the Islanders got past the Penguins with minimal contributions uh, from Pierre Turgeon. Again, he only appeared in that one game. But at the end of the day, clearly the Islanders' offense missed Turgeon, and had he been on top of his game, look, game two of that series, look, they missed him altogether in game one. Islanders only scored one goal in that game, lose it four to one. Does having a healthy and ready Pierre Turgeon make a difference in that game? And I would have to say the answer to that is maybe, uh, but even so, maybe the bigger difference would have 
come in game two, which was that double overtime contest. Now, Turgeon played well in this game. He scored the first goal of the game on a power play. And as I mentioned, he had an assist in the game and 10 shots on goal. But had he played the whole Pittsburgh series, would he have been sharper? Would he have been ready? Could the Islanders have, if he were in better shape and in better health, won game two, which they only lost by one goal in double overtime, won game three, which they lost by one goal in overtime, as we discussed on this date in Islanders history, and then game four, which they won, he was a difference maker. Again, certainly I would think a healthy Turgeon means the series goes more than five games. Could the Islanders have won it? It's a possibility. But I also think, if you look back, and if you're old enough to remember that 1993 Stanley Cup run, I think the Islanders really banded together and sort of uh, united around the fact that Turgeon was out of the lineup in that Pittsburgh series. And, you know, two things can happen to a hockey team when they are losing their best player. And Pierre Turgeon was by far the best offensive player on that Islanders team. Either the team gets intimidated and folds up their tent, or everybody realizes, hey, I got to do just a little bit extra in order to help bring things about and do what needs to be done for the team. And I think that the Islanders did the latter. And Players who would not necessarily have been in the lineup or who would not have played as big an offensive role stepped up. David Volek, for example, stepping up and getting more offense going than he otherwise would have, and he scores the big goal uh, that eliminates the Penguins. Uh, You saw just players like Brad Delgarno stepping up. Derek King, Steve Thomas, and the guy who was totally on fire, Ray Ferraro, who really, you know, scored more than a dozen playoff goals that year. So I think, you know, it wouldn't have necessarily made a big difference in that Pittsburgh series. In fact, the gritty, tougher style that they played probably was in part due to Turgeon's absence against Pittsburgh, and it made them more effective, but once you got to Montreal, and a team with, that was so reliant on Patrick Waugh, who was their Hall of Fame goalie, who was by far their best player, having a healthy Pierre Turgeon would have made a bigger difference in the Canadian series, uh, because it would have made Waugh been it would have tested him that much more and it would have kept the Canadians that much more wary of what the Islanders were capable of doing so overall I think it would have made a bit of a difference would the Islanders have won the series probably not but I think it would have gone probably six maybe even a seventh game 
And look, in the seventh game, even though that game would have been in Montreal, we know seventh games, anything can happen. I mean, look, that's what the Islanders did to the Pittsburgh Penguins. So tough one to answer. If you have an opinion about it, please feel free to tweet us or send us an email. Let us know what you think. I think it would have helped the Islanders in the Canadian series, but I still don't think they would have been able to win it. If you're enjoying the show, please tell a friend, tell a family member, uh, share the word with your fellow Islanders fans, and you could also help us by leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcatcher of choice. That helps other Islander fans find the podcast. That'll wrap up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now, have your smart device play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL for a national perspective on the National Hockey League. Have a great day. Stay safe, everybody. Remember, every day takes us one day closer to the resumption of hockey. We'll be back tomorrow with another show. And of course, let's go Islanders.